Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. All right, so we're here for my first episode of the Lifestyle Chase, and I have here with me Mr. Blake Fillion. Hi, Chris. It's uh, great to be a guest on your show. An honor. Thanks how for having your, me. How was your day going so far? What did you do this morning? Well, so far today, um, we woke up at our usual time, my son's alarm clock, around 7 in the morning. We ate a handful of Cheerios, and we went to Stroller Size at the Kinsman. That's awesome. So tell me about Stroller Size. What does it all involve? So <laughs> the target demographic is obviously mums trying to get back into fitness, but as any circuit type training it's geared on how much effort you want to put into it so you can always make it more difficult and so best way I could describe it as a less intense with more less intense CrossFit with way more running (laughs) I love it do you go to a dark place when you have that stroller in your hands and you're just giving her when they tell me to put the stroller aside and do burpees the dark place comes oh Burpees, gross. Yes. <laughs> we won't talk anymore about burpees. Yeah. So, you're from Prince George. Correct. What was life like growing up in Prince George? So, I didn't actually grow... Like, most of my childhood was uh, outside of Prince George in a real small community called Salmon Valley. Okay. And it was very rural, uh, really country, and it was great. Um I've considered myself fortunate for growing up before internet and where uh, social media was outside playing with your friends. So we were on bikes every day until the snow flew and then it was GTing and snow forts um, and I was fortunate enough to also have uh, dirt bikes and snowmobiles when I was growing up. So that really expanded the areas that me and some of my friends could go. So a lot of people that I look up to are really campaigning for a break from social media, especially like when people have children. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you see yourself raising young Jake with uh, taking a break from social media as as he gets into that? It's difficult because I would love to be able to take a break. But in the same sense, that's how so many family members are able to see the growth and progression of my child because we do live out of town totally so with my parents and sister and all my family being in prince george um and them having their own busy lives we don't get to talk on the phone as much as we'd like we don't get to facetime as much as we'd like so facebook posts and instagram updates are a way of communicating with them so they can stay current in the same sense everything else that comes with facebook i would love to leave behind what about uh, child social development? Like as you get into like the school years and stuff, what's your take on that? That's a difficult one. This is something I've been talking about with a lot of my friends, uh, my new parent friends, on just how we plan to go about it. And I think that it just, we want to like explore the availability of private school because we feel that that type of stuff might be more regulated and the bullying in the, in school and the online bullying hopefully would be cut down to what you would see in a public school. 
Um, other than that, I believe my sister had a really good approach of just honesty and just being straightforward and honest and, you know, like, uh, ha making your kids show you their, their pages and what they're posting and stuff like that. And just, just being honest and then deal with the discipline then, because I'm sure by the time that Jake is to that age demographic, everything's going to be so different again. You're probably going to put on glasses and, like, be inside the Nintendo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? So, um, but basically what we want to do is just instill outdoor physical activity. There we go. Into a more so than what's necessary. Obviously, there's going to be social media. There's going to be bullying. It's always around. That stuff is, it, it's here to stay. But if we can influence with enough positive um activities hopefully the negatives will just be kept to a minimum i like it i like that stance mm -hmm. um so as a kid what did you do to stay active because we know each other through an active pursuit mm -hmm. so what did you so i was really really invested in baseball growing up um that was my summer sport i played all stars i was in uh when I was 12 years old, we were the host team for the Canadian Little League Championships. And they were grooming us from the time we were around 10 to try to compete because those kids are phenomenal, the ones that make it there legit. Um, so we were doing two-a-day practices. It was lots of running, um, lots of batting practice. So baseball was, was my main one. And then in the wintertime, um, I skied. And then I switched to snowboarding. So that kind of worked itself out. I did hockey for a little bit, but my parents gave me the choice. They said, you can play hockey or you can ski, but you can't do both. And while well, skiing was a lot more fun than getting yelled at by a coach. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So we did that. But then it was just growing up in a rural community. Some of my friends lived about six kilometers away. So that was... a good bike ride to get to their house yeah um running through the bush um making trails building forts you know dirt clot fights rock fights <laughs> with the kids you didn't like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah and i can relate to that i grew up in the country i know like what it feels like to to ride to your friend's place because like there's no other way you're gonna see your friend kind of thing your bike is your freedom yeah, bike is life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how did you meet your wife? Ironically enough, we met on Plenty of Fish. Damn, it yeah. worked? It worked. Yeah! It worked. I won. <laughs> you won the game. Yeah, no, um, so I just moved back to Prince George. I was in Grand Prairie previous to that, and live in the Grand Prairie grind, and I just wanted out and it all came in a matter of two weeks I made my decision and I rented out my house I quit my job and I packed up and I left for a new fresh start in an old town and I wasn't in Prince George very long and I started chatting with my wife Michiko and um, we emailed back and forth for a long time and before we ever met each other and yeah it just it just worked out like we were both very uh, driven and we both went into the relationship not wanting a relationship we both said that we're both too busy 
and didn't have time for a relationship. But then that just went out the window pretty quick, actually. It was made official <laughs> in a very awkward way. I don't think I need to go into. <laughs> Fair enough. How do you ask somebody to be a boyfriend or girlfriend in your late 20s when you haven't dated in a long time? It's it's an awkward conversation. I guess so. But you made it happen. Like mm-hmm. you, you defied the odds of plenty of fish of all the the platforms you made it work yeah you should have a medal <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and it, it you know it took it took a while I, da- I I dated for a while and then uh it just it just really worked out and she's been uh, such a huge influence and in, uh in my life moving and forward. what was it about her that made you think she's the one what what oh just talking to her um she's so intelligent and can have a conversation and a real good view. Not your standard view. She's really, really good at looking outside the box and seeing it from multiple angles. And uh, that's her design background and just being um, critiqued and being able to take that constructive criticism and run with it and seeing stuff and you know all the hardships and adversity that she's faced in her life. It just really gives her such a unique view and yet she always remains so positive and nothing ever is just um that bad where she breaks down it's just she is always positive and so strong and yeah just very goal oriented so there's many things that brought like that made me fall for her but it was just even how she worded her emails it's just that's that's what started the, the spark i like it uh, for our listeners that don't know too much of the background story, what what are some of the struggles that she's had to overcome? So, my wife um, was very, very physically fit, very physically active, always working out. Um, she's a former national champion in judo, um, comes from a big judoka family, and one day she was um, working out in the gym and her friend noticed a lump on her leg and as it turned out it presented as a very rare type of disease that uh, caused her to go through um, a total of 54 rounds of radiation and a handful of different chemos and so she's done about six months of chemo total and and then uh, the 54 rounds are broken up over two separate times and and um, so she just prefers to call it or um, to word it as a as a as a as, um, a rare disease, and it's been um, ongoing for over ten years now. And then putting herself through med school, um, that's enough stress for anyone, and just starting a new life in a new town like that's 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 hard too. Hundred percent. Um... So you met her in Prince George? I met her in Prince George. So there's a med school in Prince George, and it's a satellite school, UBC, but she's originally from Lethbridge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what brought you to Edmonton? It was her career. Okay. Um, so in fourth year of med school, they get put through this, um, if there's any med students listening, they'll know all about it. It's called CARPS, and that's how they apply for jobs. 
and it's a big computer algorithm where med students will list the programs that they want to enter the most and then those programs will enter the med students that they want the most and then it'll uh, the algorithm will match the student to the program and we got matched to Edmonton it could have been Halifax it could have been Montreal Ottawa Toronto Vancouver Calgary London um, when it come time for that I just asked her to please leave me out of your decision making um, and pick what you want I'll adapt I'll be fine I'm a Red Seal trades worker <laughs> I can I can go in Canada and find work yeah. And I'll be fine. I'll make friends. Yeah. But I don't want to be the reason why you don't like your program. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's admirable. And I think a lot of, like, doctors' spouses are that way mm-hmm. because there's so much work and effort invested and you're you're choosing that person mm-hmm. with with everything that goes with them and you're benefit, benefited by who that person is as a partner. Would Absolutely. you agree? Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That's awesome. And like with, because you're a welder, Mm -hmm. so what got you into welding? So there was a program in my high school, and this was before RAP programs came out. Um, It was called, it was almost, it was a pilot program when, when I was in school. So it's called, it was called the CTC program, Career Technical Center. And it allowed students to go to the local college in Prince George and start a trade. So they had four offered. There's machining, millwriting, foods and hospitality, or hospitality, uh, culinary arts, and welding. And I chose welding, and so it enabled me to graduate from high school with um, my BC C-level welding ticket. From there, um, my friend had a job at a local sheet metal shop, and they do a lot of welding and fabricating there. And then he got me on full-time and then I started my apprenticeship in uh, as a sheet metal worker. So that's my Red Seal ticket as a sheet metal worker. And then I also have my BCC level, which I can upgrade if I if I choose. Nice. But the type of work I do, a lot of it doesn't actually call for to be a journeyman welder. It's decorative welding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what got you into the decorative welding? What what sparked that passion? I just. Some people have told me, like, this is just from um, past compliments and stuff. So I've been able to see from 2D to 3D really well. So see a 2D print or pieces of metal that are laid out in 2D and just know how I'm going to have to fold it and bend it and cut it and, and form it in different ways to get the object that I want. That all came really natural. And then it's just always challenging myself is what led me more to the decorative side. Always wanting to be better than the person who's better than me and not giving up on that. And there's so many people that I hold in high regard that are better than me, but it it always challenges myself to put out a better product. I'll notice every flaw in everything that I ever do, but most most people won't. Mm -hmm. Totally. To give a better idea to our listeners of what you've made in the past, what what are the things that you've created that you're the most proud of? Okay. Um, when I was in Prince George, I was building jet boats for a while. And a uh, jet river boat is, most people know what it is, depending on what circle you're in. Anyways, um, they're a real high-end aluminum boat 
that are made to go in shallow water and carry heavy loads in shallow water. So one of the ones that I was really proud of was um, we built this boat from scratch. It was a one-off custom polished aluminum boat with a custom interior, uh, wakeboard tower, um, a big supercharged motor in it, and like just the fit and finish on it and everything was perfect and the customer was gleaming with pride. Um, there's been a lot of projects that kind of get lost in the, in the, the woodworks. Um, another one that, was, that I still re refer to is uh, the stainless steel that me and a co-worker did in an operating room in Grand Prairie. So that one, that was very precise work. That took a long time. Um, other than that, it's just the stuff I build in my garage is what I have to be most proud of. Um, whether like the, the, the one end table I built to sell that my wife liked so much that I wasn't allowed to sell it. Um, I just finished another table for a client with uh, uh, marble top and stainless steel legs. Um, I'm working on, uh, I'm gonna do a piece of spruce burl and a burl is a knot in a tree that grows with a tree still growing out of it. And some of them get quite large. So this one is about um, 40 inches in diameter and I cut it in half and I'm going to turn it into two outdoor natural gas burning fire pit tables. So stuff like that I'm really proud of but unfortunately it's just like a lot of the stuff is just pretty repetitory and just stainless steel countertops, sinks. Um, we would get some art projects from clients. So the downtown big city E, like the Y-E-G-B -E, big E that was designed. So I actually did all the fabrication and, and welding on that. But I don't get any credit for it because it's not my design. And I can totally relate to that. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes mm -hmm. sense. Uh, for the stuff that you've done on your own, do you have like a showcase of that? Like a website or a Facebook page or anything? Not yet. Uh, we are going to be doing um, a website. But I do picture, or I do feature a lot of my stuff on my Instagram account. Nice. But that has been taken over by pictures of my son. <laughs> that's fair. So that's if fair. you don't want to see many baby updates, then that's all right. But there, <laughs> there, there's some work projects do come out on there too. Um, actually, there is something that came up that I'm pretty excited about. Um, one of my designs for a sculpture got accepted to a 3D art exhibit through the Alberta... It's called the ASA, Alberta Sculptures Association, I believe. And it'll be featured in Drumheller throughout October. There we go. Yeah. So I, uh, stay tuned for that one. I'm really excited. Um, it goes off of my... Uh, I took a, a, a small apprenticeship with a hide artist in Vancouver doing uh, totem carving. And he's given me his blessing to... Um, do uh, First Nation artworks and using his name and so this is my um, sort of a it's a totem like I've never seen before and it really plays a lot with negative space it's hard to describe vocally <laughs> <laughs> if a person was to stay posted is there a way that we'll be able to see pictures of it down the road or we have to go to Drumheller and check her out I'd say through my Instagram okay. uh, at Blake Fillion 
it would be the best way. We'll make sure that that gets in the description. People mm-hmm. will know how to find you. Absolutely. I'm sure some people will be pretty pretty interested. Yeah, and I might be able to throw a teaser in there quick because it's uh, the fabrication and uh, construction is going to get started right away here. That's exciting. What's your timeline for that? How long do you think it'll be done? Uh, it has to be done by the end of September. Damn. So you're just going to start hustling? Yep. Sweet. Yeah. So I usually go out after I get my son to bed. Uh, I go out and work in my garage till about one in the morning. Oh, man. Yeah. You get enough sleep? I do all right off a little amount of sleep, but not as good as my wife. Um, we usually only sleep about five, six hours a night. Man, six hours is not enough. Like, do you find yourself uh, banking sleep deprivation, like needing to actually sit down and nap at some point? Sometimes, if I do sit down, I tend to like to keep moving. Uh, if I'm moving, then I'm not tired. And then I usually sleep pretty well for those six hours. And then just get up and live by my son's schedule. So when he goes down for a nap, then I usually catch up on household uh, chores and work around the house. And if I can sit down and have a little nap, which isn't very often, then I will take it. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'd have to say, like, it's when people are like, oh man, I just sat down and fell asleep right away. Like, that's when you know how sleep deprived you are. Mm -hmm. But me living the bachelor life, having those freedoms to do things that are in the best interest of myself. Like I can't obviously relate, but I look forward to the day when you're able to get all the sleep that you need. That's a great day when that that happens. Yeah. Yeah. If, if nothing else, just make sure you're drinking your water. Mm -hmm. Water is a game changer. Yeah. So, um, with your experience of becoming a dad, like what were your expectations going into it? And how were, how were your expectations altered, like, after you actually experienced it? So my expectations going into it, um, it was hard to know what to expect. So I was just trying to keep um, it sort of open. It's just, I knew life was going to change and everything was going to be different. Nothing was going to be the same again. And I was right about that. And how are my expectations now? I, I think we're doing, I think we're doing good. Jake's happy and healthy. Um, he's meeting his goals, even though he was born a month early. He's right on track. Um, he eats so well. He sleeps very well. He sleeps well. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he sleeps well. Like you were saying, like a seven a.m. wake up call. Like yeah. So, so he's sleeping till seven a.m. Last night I put him down at 8 p.m. and he slept straight till 7. That's incredible. I know. I don't know if I should say that out loud. Some people might hate me. <laughs> They're going to ask for your secret. You better have your book uh, starting to be written. Sleep training. We just There's many programs out there. Um, me and my wife agreed upon one and we stuck to it. Um, when I was weak, she was strong. And I would say when she was weak, I was strong. But she's definitely the stronger one. <laughs> is it that that strategy where like the baby needs you needs your attention is asking for for something and then you just ignore it they're crying they they're, they're crying yeah. they're, they're crying for a bottle they're crying to get picked up and you we, the program we chose is you go in and you console them but you don't actually pick them up or cuddle them and you don't feed them 
because Jake would uh, eat throughout the night and then he wouldn't eat until noon. Okay. So clearly he can go a while without eating. We just had to get his schedule uh, flipped to, to be on a, on a daytime eating schedule, not a nighttime eating schedule. And then so we got it flipped in a couple of days and our lives have just drastically improved. Mm-hmm. You never think about it that way. Well, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be the first to think about it that way. Like I get hungry at night and then I eat and then maybe I'm not hungry in the morning. Like we're, we're no different than babies. Like, yeah. But when babies are like real young infants, they're eating every hour, two hours. And you're just tiny little feeds all the time. So that's when it's really tough is when you're getting up every hour. And then for parents that have a colicky baby, oh my, my heart goes out to you because Jake has been such a blessing and he's just so easygoing and he was never colicky. He, we still had rough nights, but he's just, he's such a good baby that we're so lucky that oh, for a single parent to have a colicky baby, you need a medal, right? That's, that's hard. That's hard among anybody can imagine until you're faced in that. So, and there's bound to be some people who that applies to listening to this. So mm-hmm. pat on the back for them. Exactly. Just put the kid down and go have a minute to yourself. They'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to cry themselves to death but you can you you your mental health needs it and ask for help um i was fortunate enough to make a lot of friends through programs that edmonton puts on and to build a support group of um friends and people that have moved here from other towns etc etc um just to lean on each other and and provide help where if they really need a break i'll watch their kid and I'll I'll take care of them and just go sleep. Yeah. Go sleep for a couple hours. You need to to rejuvenate. If you haven't eaten, you need a shower. I'll help out. I'll bring you food, and then they're always offering the same. So um, I've been fortunate to really meet some wonderful people in my life. I love that. That that is so important. Like community is huge. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So we met through the CrossFit community, actually. What yes. brought you to that gym in the first place? What originally brought me to that gym is I was trying to get back into judo. So I was doing judo in Prince George. And I worked myself up to a brown belt. But to get it to a black belt, you need points. And you need you get a certain amount of points every year for uh, registering and, and, and participating in judo. Uh, refereeing tournaments doing other stuff is a you can build points slowly the best way to build points is to compete so i i put on some weight <laughs> i uh, plumped up to 200 pounds and when i went in a competition at 200 pounds those guys are skyscrapers they're all six three cutting down to 200 I like to fight in the 81 kilo class where you're about a hun- just under 185 pounds. That is a much nicer weight class for me. So I thought CrossFit would be a good way for me to um, lose some weight, build some muscle. I like the, the body movement exercises. You know, I, th- I thought that it would relate well to judo, just not just working on isolated muscles. But as it turned out, I just really enjoyed it. 
and then kind of stopped doing judo. Yeah. Because I really liked the CrossFit. What was your favorite part about, we'll just broaden the term and just go to group fitness in general. What's your favorite part about working out next to other people? The group, the community, the team aspect. You know, you're not just there by yourself. I can't tell you how many times I would start a gym membership, go work out by myself, and just do the exact same thing where it just tapers off and then tell you, you're like, I'll go tomorrow. I'll start again next week, next month for sure. And then you're just not going. What I liked about group uh, is is the group. Yeah. It is the encouragement you get for, you know, everyone cheering you on to finish your last rep. Oh, totally. Uh, um, just the positive environment. Everyone there was so great. It was such a good atmosphere that, uh, that the coaches uh, and the owners um, provided. Yeah. It was just, you know, you felt like a team. Whole, everyone felt so welcome the whole you're not alone mentality is so beneficial in any like fitness setting where you're with yeah. other people kind of thing everybody's struggling through it everybody's cheering you on yeah and you know and, and when new members come then you're helping to lift them up and and encourage them too and that's that's what i really liked about uh the the crossfit gym that uh, we were going to with your wife having battled this rare disease amidst so many other things going on. How have you worked together to overcome everything that's come up? So, unfortunately, we're still battling it. And it's not so much a battle as dealing with it. It's an, a, such a rare type that it isn't going to go away. We just have to deal with it. So how do we, um, how do we deal and, uh, and move on and how do we overcome stuff? Is just staying positive. It's setting goals. What do you want to do? What does she want to do? How can I help her with that? And what do I want to do? And how does she help me with that? And it's just constantly staying busy. It's just kind of how we deal with it. Um, and just working hard. You know, it just, that's, that's kind of what we do. It's just achieving, achieving a goal and then getting it done. Setting a goal and getting it done. Um, you know, we wanted a kid and we really wanted a child, but with her rounds of radiation and everything, you know, um, our doctors were saying, uh, you probably can't get pregnant, but even if you can, you shouldn't. And then that put a pretty good, pretty good strain emotionally on the both of us. And then when we found out we we're pregnant, we were in disbelief and we were in shock you know, and so then we had to move forward with that and how are we going to do this and how do we, you know, still prioritize your career and what do you do here? And so that's why we decided, you know, that's why she's working and I'm on leave and that's how we adjusted our life. And, then, and now we're making it work here. What's the next challenge that we're going to face? We don't really know, but um, we just, we'll face it when we get there. I love we'll, it. we'll talk about it. And we'll analyze it and we'll figure it out. Yeah. It's us versus the problem. I love it. Um, goal oriented. That That's like the way to be. Like mm -hmm. to be headset forward and just like we're going to chip away until we just make what we want to happen happen. Yeah. What are the, aside from your child, what are the goals that you've set in the past that you've uh, battled and then conquered? Okay. Well, 
I still want to get my black belt in judo. So that's one I haven't conquered yet. Um, one I'm working towards right now is I want to get my pilot's license. And you're close, aren't you? Not so far yet. I'm working on it. Um, so I'm about halfway done. Okay. So now I have to start building solo hours. So I will get examined um, by the licensed examiner. And if he says uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, then I'll start building my solo hours. And then timing will get uh, a lot faster. My goal is to be done before the new year for my private pilot's license so that I can start working towards my commercial license, my uh, instrument rating, night rating, multi-engine rating, and then I would like to get my float rating too. Um, I just, the more I learn about a topic, the less I realize I know and the more I want to know. So I sort of get kind of consumed with a topic and want to know everything about it. And when it comes to flying, I just want to be safe. I want to get on the ground safe every time and come home to Jake and my wife. And so that's why I want to get all the ratings that I can and to understand everything about it so it will increase my odds to do it safely. Love it. Uh, how would you say your pilot's license would tie into your goals down the road? Like Everybody has like an underlying reason for why they do what they do. It's something that I was always talking about wanting to do and would I never would have done it myself. I, I honestly wouldn't have. I just always talk. I'm always looking up and seeing planes. Oh, that would be so fun. That would be so cool. Imagine flying here or going to here. And my wife just signed me up. She said, go do it. Quit talking about go do it. And that's where, the, where we give each other the push. Um, how it will relate, I don't know yet. Because um, training is quite expensive. And now I'm finding myself, I'm not, I was thinking about, it, I'm not at the crossroad yet. I'm on the road to the crossroad, but I'm not there yet to whether or not I want to branch right and go be a professional pilot and change my career altogether. Or I want to stay left and stick with my bread and butter, my fabricating, my welding, my uh, custom furniture building, um, developing my own fabrication shop and really growing my own business. And that's what I want to work towards because one thing I or like ask people is, Chris, if you won the lottery, um, you didn't have to work anymore, everything was covered, people actually left you alone to enjoy your money, what would you do? Be a lot of similar things to what I'm doing right now. I like helping people. Exactly. And for me, I would build shit in my garage. I love it. Right? And I would like to fly planes. Right? So that way I can still do what I like doing. But now if what I'm what I'm scared of, if I become a professional pilot, will I enjoy flying as a hobby too? Whereas I know I enjoy building stuff in my garage as a hobby, but I also still enjoy doing that for work. So when I get to the crossroad and I'm giving myself to when I'm done my commercial license training to see how I want to pursue it, that's when I, that's when I'll de decide on my crossroad or what route I want to take right or left because it's a scary thing if I I really enjoy flying it's amazing the views everything's so phenomenal but if you do it for a career will I really enjoy doing it in my spare time but if I could pick an end goal of what I want to do to be a professional pilot 
the direction I would want to go is um, pursue water bombing and fight forest fires. I love it. Yeah. Admirable. Mm-hmm. Do something to help. And I kind of like doing crazy stuff. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> when I was like thinking of like, okay, how would he integrate these two things? First thing that came to my mind would you be, you would be making like a special presentation, like a special like design something for a remote area mm-hmm. and you'd actually be able to deliver that yourself. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you could have a partnership with like, um, museums that display like really traditional work, but they're in remote locations mm-hmm. and you're able to actually like make that process faster because yep. you're like a triple threat. Absolutely. No, that's, that's an, that's an awesome way of putting it too. Right. And it's just like, so I don't know what way I'm going to take or what's going to present itself in the next couple of years or even where I'm going to be living in the next couple of years. That's the other thing. Yeah, totally. Like you might be, do you think you'd ever go as far as like Northwest territories? If that's where they placed you like somewhere way North Canada, it'd be a serious conversation with my wife. A decision like that can't be just made on a whim. It has to be made uh, as a joint effort totally. and so i've got we've gone this far to uh support my wife's career and stuff that she wants to do that i'm still open on doing um putting my stuff around what she has going on i'll still adapt i'll still go to places i'll make friends i'll keep busy and everything like that and either building stuff or flying planes it's versatile anywhere. They're always looking for either flight instructors at, uh, at flight schools or small little airlines to, to fly places around, even just like little uh, bush pilot stuff. There's, there's always little companies like that in, in different locations. So we're still going to put her stuff first. So for us to like end up like in the Northwest Territories or something like that, or me end up there, that's a conversation for a later date with my wife and I. But if it was to, for me to get towards a goal that I wanted, then we would definitely compromise and we would have to uh, figure out a solution. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, scrap your week's activities as a dad. Like, you've told me a day. Tell yeah. me about uh, lap time. Tell me about all this stuff. So, okay, I'll run you through uh, the week. Uh, Mondays, um, we wake up, we go to stroller size, and uh, we do the exercises. During the summer months, we would be outside running in the river valley, which was phenomenal. Until I found out we do nothing but run hills to get to the top and run stairs and do burpees and push-ups and squats to run to another hill and do the exact same thing over again. I don't like running. <laughs> <laughs> I know that about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's getting better. It's getting better. Um, now we're back inside at the Kinsman, so we're running laps, and now it's starting to inter- uh, introduce more weightlifting, which I like. Um, Tuesdays I'll do stroller size again. But then in the afternoon, I'll go to uh, one of the public libraries and do uh, what they have, uh, baby lap time. Oh, excuse me there. And they, it's put on by the public libraries, and it's just free to drop in. Um, it's for babies age 0 to 12 months. And 
it's just how to interact with your child. You sing songs, you play games, they get to interact with other kids. You get to meet new parents and go through the same stuff together. I've met so many wonderful people through baby lap time that it's just, it's been a complete game changer because it's really difficult to move to a new town and actually meet good quality friends. Um, if you change jobs, you usually end up with work friends, but how many do you stay in contact with? Um, I found that difficult previously, but the lap time parents have just been phenomenal. So yeah, we'll just sing songs, you're lifting them up, you're blowing bubbles. It's just, it, it's, it's really cute. Uh, Wednesdays, I tend to go, um, I try to do something with Jake. Like either just me and him go do something or I would do, uh, there's a hiking group in Edmonton, which is also free. So it's called Hike It Baby. And I'll try, if I can, or we were missing some time this summer because of all the smoke. I didn't want to be walking outside too much with, uh, with Jake and all that bad smoke in town. So that was pretty unfortunate that we did miss a lot of the hikes. But different groups will post different hikes around the city. It's not just Wednesdays. They're every day of the week, mornings, noons, evenings. And you meet at a, 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 a an arranged location. And then you people have hikes completely arranged. And the one that I go to, it uh, or try to go as much as I can, it would start off at uh, the Shamrock Curling Center. And we'd go for about an hour and a half long hike through Mill Creek. And it's not a great physical activity, but you're outside, you're active, you're still climbing hills. My son's heavy. I got a backpack on too. So now I'm walking the hills and I've got about 50 pounds of gear on my shoulders. boy. So that's, you know, <laughs> and then other people need a hand too. So some people bring strollers and they need an extra hand. So then I'm pushing a stroller, got Jake and a backpack on. And now you start pushing that up a hill. Your calves are burning, your shoulders are burning. Yeah, so I'm staying active with that. You're earning that dad bod. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So uh, Thursdays, we go back to baby lap time, and that's at uh, 10.30 in the morning. And then a small group of us will go have brunch somewhere. Just that's have a awesome. cup of coffee. Let the kids interact. Basically, all they do is pull hair and poke each other in the eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> but they need that. They need that experience, and they need to interact with, e with each other. And it's, it's super heartwarming to see the kids smile and kind of play with a toy together it's amazing it doing it at such a young age well it's so important to their development too mm -hmm. and then on fridays i like to go swimming and the pool that i found i enjoy the most is all the way on sherwood park it's at uh emerald hills yeah it's a very good thing phenomenal facility just worth the drive hey? just on point and then so we'll go swimming out there and then i just want jake to be comfortable with water yeah that's such a key thing is to just be comfortable because where I grew up, there was a river nearby and to learn how to swim in a river and stay comf stay comfortable in lakes and rivers and, and, and swimming, it's, that's life-saving skills Yeah, and great physical activity. And basically he just shovels about a gallon and a half of salt water into my eyes when we go there. He loves it. Um, that's good. So that basically wraps up my week and then Saturdays and Sundays we'll go for a walk um, we'll play, play in the house. We'll go do stuff. It's a lot of furniture walking now. Um, walking on, he holds onto my fingers and walks around. I'll try to do uh, a barbecue or something like that. A big dinner, you know, 
um, invite people over if we can, and then uh, depends on my wife's schedule too and what works out. Yeah. Hopefully we get to see each other sometimes. Okay. <laughs> What's her schedule like? Does she work quite a bit? She does work quite a bit. Um, it was pretty hectic when she went back, um, but it's kind of tapered off. So she's on a one and three call. So she'll work two days and then the third day she's on call where she'll stay overnight at the hospital. And then it's usually five in the morning until about six to eight at night is when oh. she comes home. And then when she's on call, she'll go in at about five in the morning. She'll come home from four to eight the next day. So, and then rounding on the weekends. Yeah. So every day she rounds. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty, in, pretty intense uh, residency. But then she also has her master's in design? Correct. So her program, they require every resident to finish their training with either a master's or a PhD. And most of them do sort of a science background. Well, my wife came into medicine from a design background. And so she uh, was able to do her master's in industrial design. And they provide a one a one year leave uh, funded by the residency to, to, to work on either their master's or their PhD. And then they'll have to either collect funding for the other year or two years. Um, but my wife, not wanting to extend her residency, did her first year of her master's during her second year of her residency. So she would finish call and get to, get to leave early and go right from the hospital for after being awake for 30 hours and go sit on lectures and then do all the projects and still manage her patients and the surgery load and everything with that. And then she got her academic year to finish all of her projects. And then to complicate things for that, we got married and had Jake. Wow. Like, for the listeners, you can't see my face. My jaw just dropped. Like... <laughs> I, the, I wish I could just I'll paint a picture for you. We're in the Grey Nuns. She's dilated. The epidural's in. And the lights are calm. Everything's settling down. We're waiting to, for it to get fully dilated to start pushing. And she's got her laptop open and she's working. Holy shit. <laughs> she's in labor and she's uh, she's working on projects. I, I have some people that I hope will hear this on the podcast because it's like, it's astonishing. It's mm -hmm. something that will inspire a lot of people, something that some people just need to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a card game that your wife was involved with. Like She created it. So... One of her projects that she did, she, her master's is based on integrating toy design and cardiac surgery. And because she's such an advocate for um, alternate ways of learning that kids learn through play, um, she would remember uh, topics better from doodling rather than writing notes. She can draw a picture and remember it and, re and recollect it better. And that kids learn through play. So she started creating toys to help kids learn about what procedures they're going to have. And just simple, free to print off toys from her website, uh, artoflearning.ca. 
that you can download, print, and then start learning about. There's 3D paper heart models for people wanting to learn about anatomy. Uh, the, the plastic models are super expensive. So this is a, an easy way where you can hold a three-dimensional heart, open it up, see all the valves, all uh, the aorta, all everything that's involved in it for free. Um, some of the other things like a sternotomy bear, just to explain to the, the kids what, and not even the kids, the parents, the parents that are terrified, um, what's going to happen with their kid's procedure, how they're going to do a sternotomy, they're going to open the chest, and this is what your heart actually looks like, and it's right here, and this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do this and this and this, and we're going to stitch you up, and then you're going to be fine afterwards. And so that really helps out with a lot of the patients, and that's been really positive received. That's a, been a part of her master's. And then she had a, like just the fentanyl crisis going on right now. It's just the epidemic. I mean, we, we, we go to Vancouver a lot um, for conference, work, play, all that stuff. Um, I'm from Prince George. Prince George has a, um, a pretty bad... Um, I don't even call it a drug problem. There's a lot of people that are addicted. It's a very addictive thing. It's a very horrible thing. And people, a lot of really honest people get into it, um, unfortunately, through either prescription or prescription meds that they've bought illegally or they've ingested it accidentally. Because now how they're starting to put fentanyl in different things, it's mind-blowing. So my wife wanted to create awareness to this. And she created a game based on Cards Against Humanities, with their full permission to do it. Um, it plays exactly like Cards Against Humanities, and some people have said it's even more vile. And it's basically, how I like to put it, it's just like, whether or not you actually save a life, you're never going to be able to prove it, right? It's, uh, this game saved my life. It's hard to say. But it starts a conversation. It creates awareness. And it's really starting to help kind of change the... Uh, the negative social stigma surrounding fentanyl because she, they're not just the cards against humanities type. She did a trivia version too. They're working on a junior edition. She's teaming up with some uh, local youth um, in elementary school. And that's just about general household safety and stuff like that. And it all kind of plays the same way and it's blown up we can't believe it. Um, Edmonton, it's been all around. She's been on several different news sites uh, and interviews. Um, throughout Canada, all the way to Halifax, Leduc has its own special version. Um, there's branches starting up in Hinton, Jasper, Prince George, Vancouver, Calgary, um, I, I believe Toronto, a couple other places in Ontario, Ottawa, Montreal, um, across the seas, over in Europe, England, Scotland. Uh, all the way to Australia. People are using it in the States, uh, down in uh, Ohio and stuff like that. She started it in January. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> is it something that she's just done to spread awareness or is there any financial gain from it? It's, it's just... all non-for-profit. I love it. It's completely non-for-profit, but there's future goals. So now with this, she's got many different things that she's doing and many different goals that she wants to reach with all those sub, uh, said topics. Yeah. And the said topic she wants to reach with Doctors Against Tragedies is to basically have another uh, mad um, 
Mothers Against Drunk Driving type of uh, charity of awareness. Unfortunately, scare tactics don't work. And so many people try to rely on scare tactics for um, awareness and trying to scare people. It doesn't work. So why not try humor? Why not try a different approach? Right? I mean, like, look at how many people are still smoking even though they have all those vile pictures on the cigarette uh, boxes. Yep. Right? And so if somebody, when you were growing up and your mom and dad said, don't do this, where were you going? Probably to do the thing. Exactly. Don't do this. Yeah. And so just the more we're learning about just different social situations and how to deal with it, it, humor is a great way to really bridge the gap and start a conversation and stick in somebody's head. I can't remember anything my teacher told me in high school, but I can remember every single dirty joke that has ever been said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Poop. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So does she have any goals that you could list like coming up or it's just all this broad picture and it's broad picture, broad picture, nothing super hard line. So right now they're working on all of the legalities. She there's, it's not just her. It's a team of people that have like really helped and branched out. It was her design that started it. It started as a project for her masters, but there's been so many other people to, to help and just contribute and really run with the project because she's so busy with her surgery that she can't she can't do everything at once. There's only so many hours in the day. And even if we only sleep one hour, we're still falling behind. So these other people are just like um, really running with it uh, to uh, get it listed as a non an actual non for profit charity. Even though like all of the money that they've get gotten through grants and stuff has been spent on the decks. And, uh, and everything to go with it. Um, yeah, they want to really make it a a legit charity. So they're talking with lawyers and trying to get that set up so they can really start running with it. They, she started another one. They're going to be doing a sexual health deck and I will, I will help write some of the cards. I remember every dirty joke that everyone said to me. So that card, that deck really wrote itself. Yeah. <laughs> There's no trouble right in that deck. It's good. <laughs> it just spilled on the page. That's awesome. <laughs> but then, like, a lot of people really, uh, they volunteer a lot of time to all uh, everything that is Doctors Against Tragedies. And we're so grateful for everything that they're helping with. And they're just completely blown away with the response that has gotten. Teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. Well, I have to say, we've uh, wrapped up quite a bit of topics here, Mm -hmm. but I have one more thing to ask. If you could give our listeners one piece of advice on authentically living their life to the fullest, what would it be? It's hard. It's like never settle for enough, but what is enough, right? Never, always set a goal. Be busy doing something. It doesn't matter what it is. If it makes you happy, do it. Uh, that's what I like. Communicate with the people that you love. Work with them on on issues and problems. Um, enjoy moments that you can. Try to put the cell phones down and actually enjoy it. I've faced the same difficulty as everyone. It's really hard these days um, to, to separate yourself from technology. But... 
I'll leave it in a different room, you know, and just enjoy my son's time. Enjoy the little moments. Just the standard cliche shit. But just really try to adhere to it. That's, that's, that's what I'd have to say is just set a goal, achieve it, and enjoy the small things. I love it. Never to set too small of a goal, hey? Exactly. It's good. You, you uh, reach for the scar, uh, shoot for the stars, you might miss and hit the moon. Somebody said that once. I, I think like I that. saw that on like a poster in a grade three room or something. Okay, like well, then I definitely did. I definitely <laughs> didn't invent that. I wasn't trying to claim it. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the dirty jokes, though. It's been a pleasure having you today. Thanks for being my first guest. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, it was a pleasure being here, and uh, I hope this all works out for you. I this think it a, will. This is a great goal to uh, set for yourself. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll catch you next time. Absolutely.